are listening to the AI with Maribel Lopez podcast, or AI with ML. If this is your first time listening, thank you for joining. The AI with ML podcast is produced bi-weekly with occasional bonus episodes. This podcast shares the stories of the people behind the new world of data and AI. What are they creating and why does it matter? If you like this episode, please subscribe so you can easily find the podcast again. You can also share your feedback and ideas with me on Twitter and LinkedIn. All links are in the show notes. Extended show notes can be found at AIwithML.com slash podcasts. I hope you'll enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome back to the program. I'm Maribel Lopez, and I am joined here today with Kevin Vascani. Kevin joined Wendy's as the Chief Information Officer in 2020, and in his role, he's responsible for all aspects of Wendy's global technology efforts. That includes customer-facing digital, restaurant technology, emerging enterprise architecture and technology, and information security. So that is quite the large set of technologies. It's everything under the sun, actually. Kevin, welcome to the program. I'm really excited to have you here. Thanks, Marbelle. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about technology. So normally I ask people to describe who they are and what they do, but from that intro I gave you, I think everybody on the call can understand sure. that you are working on everything. <laughs> so yeah. it's pretty clear that you are all things tech. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to jump in. I'm going to ask you a few questions. Sure. But let's get started. What we're seeing when we talk to a lot of organizations is that we've been discussing digital transformation forever. And now we're talking about things like digital acceleration because many people have done their first waves of digital transformation. You're actually one of those companies. So we see leaders like yourself focusing on up-leveling things like the customer experience, the employee experience. And I know that you've had some plans to you know, reimagine the restaurant experience for both your customers and employees. And I thought that might be a really good place to start because you've already given some thought to the original stages. And I'm sure you've advanced considerably since you know, the pandemic and everything else that's happened in the world. Yeah, no, um, uh, love to talk about it. I have a ton of passion on this subject. It probably come through a little bit in the interview, but um, I think it, it's exactly how you framed it up in the question, if you have a customer obsession like we do, and you look at how consumer behavior changed during the pandemic and how it's changed coming out of the pandemic, um, the only thing I know for sure is those changes are permanent. A lot of people, I think, thought that they were they were transitory. They're not. Those changes are affecting us all. So when you, when you look at that customer obsession and you get a chance to look at, well, how would you build a new store to address the new consumer or the new consumer behaviors, uh, you get a lot of excitement. I get a lot of excitement out of it, right? Because, you know, we, we look at our pre-pandemic business, you know, we we're m- mostly uh, a dining room and a drive-through business. Fast forward through the pandemic, everybody's a delivery company. Uh, everybody's a digital company. Our consumers still want to come into our restaurant. You know, for us, it's how do you build the greatest customer experience at each one of those touch points? Because one of the things we've also learned about the customer is their behavior changes depending on the day, depending on the day part, right? So I'm not always a delivery customer. I may frequently be a delivery customer, but sometimes I'm a drive through customer. And sometimes I actually want to go into the store. So the key for us is how do we make sure each one of those experiences is seamless, takes the friction out of it, 
but also has a consistency across it because we want it to be a Wendy's branded experience. So where I'm getting to, I finally, I, I promise I'll answer your question is, well, we had this opportunity. We build a lot of stores every year, right? And here's this opportunity um, to design a store with the new consumer. So we took a step back and we said that was the goal. And then we said, well, how would you do that, right? Well, you start with um, its operations, its marketing, its technology, it's the franchisees working together. And the process was really cool because it reminds me a lot of like building a website and, and testing it. And the, you brought this cross-functional team together and we did a lot of simulations and we did A-B testing and we got a lot of input from a lot of people. And some of that input was from people a little bit outside of their comfort zone or, or at least their day-to-day -day discipline. And we put it all together. We have this, this really, I think, incredible new store experience um, that the customers are going to love. The employees, which was also part of your question, are going to be happy to work there. It's going to be fun to work in the store. And even people like our third-party delivery aggregators, right? We, we thought about them when we built the store and we designed that into the process. One more uh, thing. The other thing about it as a technologist, which was so cool, is we didn't bolt the technology on after the design was done, right? Nobody picked up the phone and said, hey, Kevin, we have the new store design. Why don't you come on down and tell us where you're going to put all the technology? Literally from day one, we talked about how do we incorporate the technology into all of those customer flows I talked about and, uh, and many more. So it's been an exciting project. I'm, I'm excited about it. And uh, first stores should be starting to open in first quarter. Uh, so we can't quite get a preview of what they are yet. Oh. Yeah. All right. So we'll we'll circle back with you on that at a later okay. date. Let me give you I, I'll, let me give you one example because I think this goes, if you don't mind, goes to the extent of which we thought about this design, right? So if you look at um, most QSR restaurants today, um, delivery is a big part of all of our business, right? But how that manifests itself is you build this great digital experience uh, and the third party aggregator. The drivers come in and they go into the lobby and they're confused on where to go pick up the packages. And sometimes everybody's confused. Right. I mean, it's it's not a very a highly tuned uh, environment. When we built the store design. We actually built it so that there are uh, delivery driver spaces up front of the store. There's a window that's clearly marked. There's an application that supports them checking in. The drivers don't go to the lobby anymore. They don't go through the drive-through. They go to the place where the drivers go pick up the food. And, you know, that took operations and it took marketing and it took technology all working together to say, hey, there's a much better way to do this. I think that's a great example. And I think there's been a couple of things you said that I think are really interesting that any company can take away. And one, that's the notion that the consumer isn't the same consumer it was. And that the consumer isn't the same consumer all the time. One day they might act one way, one day they might act the other way. You have to have a portfolio of experiences and integrate those and be able to switch back and forth between them, depending on how that customer is feeling today. And the second is really rethinking about uh, when and where technology happens. And I love this whole concept of if we're going to really move into a new world, we have to reimagine what the experience looks like. We're not just trying to digitize an experience that was for a certain type of workflow and digital, uh, non-digital store of, say, right. even three years ago, right? Things have changed so much in just right. that small period of time. So I, I love where you're going with that. And I think it's going to be fascinating to see how that changes, how people feel about the Wendy's experience. And I know you mentioned a little bit 
about the word data. And yeah. I think data is really key to making any of these new world experiences happen. And maybe we could spend a few minutes talking about Wendy's vision for unlocking, you know, new customer, restaurant, or employee experience data, you know, really unlocking new experiences through data-driven insights, basically. Yes. Uh, I'm So I'm passionate about store design. I'm also super passionate about data. It's uh, it's one of my favorite things. I, I think... Uh, data, baby, data. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How much you want all of it, right? Every bit of it. Um, I, I do think it's it's this huge unlock for for most companies. And, uh, you know, I read this great article the other day that, that said data is the new oil, and it's just really stuck in my head. You know? While I do think it's this huge asset for, for most companies, I also think it's probably underutilized at most companies. But so we, when we look at data or, or at a very high level, we look at it at two ways. One of them is how do we use data to enhance the customer experience? And that includes pulling friction out of it. And how do we use data to improve operations, both for the people in our store and the people that own our stores, right? And and we really look at those two worlds, um, all things data, but really driving uh, different, trying to drive different outcomes and, and, and really kind of going about them in a different way. Although I will tell you, for the most part, the underlying infrastructure is about the same. But let's talk about the consumer, right? One of the things when I talked about, if you look at all these different consumer journeys we have, right? You want to go into the store, you want to go use a kiosk, you want to order digitally, you want to go have delivery. All of that um, can be enhanced dramatically by knowing who your customer is, right? And the more we know about the customer with their permission, of course, is the better I can make that experience, I can take friction out of it, or I can put aids into it, or I can I can say, hey, look, this is this is an experience where the consumer wants their food as fast as possible. What can I do to make them help them do that? Here's another experience where they want to look at the menu. You know, they want to maybe they want to be a little bit more adventurous. Maybe they heard their from their friends that we have a great chicken sandwich, right? But they've only had burgers from us. Well. I want to be able to, to to allow them to have that journey as well. We look at 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 that really rich consumer data uh, in terms of how do we make the experience better for the customer, meeting them where they want to be met, and and some of that to me is what channel do they want to meet us on, right? Because everybody has different channels, right? And the other one is what is that occasion? Is it a speed occasion? Is it a social occasion? Uh, is it a shopping occasion? And then let's make sure we craft the experience for them. And uh, I think we made great headway. I think we have a long, uh, a long way to go because I don't think you're ever done, right? Because as we talked about, consumer is going to continue to change. Uh, that's the constant there. The other side of it is uh, for operational data. You know, to me, it's all about speed. How fast can you give me the operational data about what's going on in my restaurant or in my company? Because the sooner I get that data, the sooner I can make a database decision. So. We do a lot of real-time, really relevant time um, data streaming uh, in that world to get the information to the decision makers literally as fast as we can, or really as fast as necessary, right? Because, I mean, some of the data doesn't need to be there absolutely instantaneously. I love that relative time concept, right? Because some things are milliseconds, seconds, minutes. It could be any of the above, right? And planning the right information flow is really critical to making business operate more efficiently. And I, I love that you also talked about the different 
context of experiences of whether it's an exploration, whether it's a speed versus consideration. I think all those are really important as well. Now, data is interesting. There's yeah. no doubt in anybody's mind that's listening to this right now that you have an enormous amount of data, all kinds of data, <laughs> and also that it's distributed in many, many, many locations. And that to me brings a question of data or data in the cloud, or how do we think about the role of cloud helping Wendy support data analytics, artificial intelligence, machine learning, all those things that we hear about that are related to data? Good question. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and that's uh, for, for those of us who are, are data scientists, I think that is one of the biggest challenges, right? Because to your point, data is everywhere. You have to get it together in some organized fashion. We, we could have a long conversation around that. But I do think, to your point, the cloud brings some advantages um, that really can enable us in this space. One of them is just flat out speed and focus, right? So look, I, I no longer have to, uh, and I know this is very simplistic, but I mean, it really does go to the speed because we can get into auto provisioning and we can get into all this other stuff. But look, I don't have to go out and acquire equipment. I don't have to go buy more disk space. I provision all of that stuff, right? And I provision all that stuff relatively quickly, which is also a little danger, but it, we, we can, you, know, you have to be careful. You don't know <laughs> so, um, so, so there's this speed element where all of a sudden now infrastructure is not the long lead item. Actually, my design is my long lead item or my data model is my long lead item or my data governance is my long lead item. And infrastructure starts to become more of a commodity. I think that helps tremendously. And then when I think when you get onto the analytics side of it, uh, we've got this partnership with Google around um, a lot of innovation, but specifically around AI, right? The the models that they can let us use out of the box that are pre-trained would take me years and years to develop if I was on my own. So we also get this multiplier on the cloud side in that these pre-trained models are great places to start. Sometimes they they get you all the way there. But even if they don't get you all the way there, you're not starting from scratch. And I think when you combine the fact that it's, it's almost infrastructure on demand with pre-built models, all of a sudden we've, we've, we're catching a gear. We're getting some acceleration. I do think when you look at how do you empower the business, that acceleration is really important because sometimes business problems open and close and they don't want to wait a year and a half for an IT project to come around. Right. right. They, want, they want to know now. Tell me what's going on. And I just think that it'd be, it's much harder to do uh, without a cloud infrastructure behind. I remember visiting a client. We were doing strategy with this particular um, company and they had the three-year roadmap of IT projects. And it's not that three-year roadmaps of IT projects don't exist, but to your point, I'm just feeling for the person that was on year three of the roadmap. Right, right, right. right. (laughs) But I need data now. I don't need data in year three. Can you help me out? It's interesting, the... uh, the desire from the different groups, but also the speed at which we feel we have to deliver this. You mentioned that you're working with Google, but I'm wondering if Wendy's has a hybrid architecture or a multi-cloud architecture. I mean, we hear we hear all this from different technology vendors supporting hybrid or multi, or if so, you know, do you have any thoughts on challenges and opportunities that the various cloud architectures you might be using? Yeah, I do. It's not one size fits all, I think is probably the way I'd start. But I will tell you that I, I do think some form of hybrid architecture is is the reality. There's a, there's a large desire to move everything to the cloud 
uh, and maybe everything eventually gets to the cloud. But let's face it, Wendy's and a lot of other companies, if not most other companies, also have a pretty large on-prem compute environment. It's not a bad thing. Um, it's just different. So I think you have to approach it and say, hey, look, the, the reality of the world is I'm going to have a hybrid uh, cloud environment. It's going to have some on-prem. I may even have multiple cloud vendors. I've got to stitch all that together. I think the companies that that approach it that way are going to be further ahead uh, because I just think that's the reality today. How well you're able to stitch it together, especially in the data world, right? I think really could be a competitive advantage um, in the terms of how fast can you go? Yeah, we're, we're definitely a hybrid environment. Um, we, are, we do have a bias towards cloud, though. I'll be very honest with you, right? So when we build a new system, we always build mobile first. We always build cloud first. Those are the two going in design criteria, right? It's got to be supported mobily. And if and if we can put it on the cloud, we put it on the cloud native. I think that is a good strategy for us as well. It certainly provides a tremendous amount of flexibility. And to your point about the different channels, you never know what channel you're, need, you're going to need to spin up next. You never know how you're going to need to recraft the applications and services to deal with different things. So it would make sense that if you could that you would start with more of that mindset. Now, we know, we talked a lot about cloud. We also discussed Wendy's having data everywhere. And so that leads me to think a little bit about edge computing. And it strikes me that edge computing is a big portion of delivering new value as we think about strategies moving forward. So can you speak to how edge might fit into the strategy here? Glad to. Because I do think it, it it's uh, I do think it's a big part of it. You know the the holy grail for QSR is a point of sale system that can run in the cloud, it can run in the store, it can run on the edge, um, because it gives us again flexibility is so important. And the reality of it is that we actually do need that level of flexibility. I support six thousand stores, and some of them are urban stores and some of them are rural stores. And simple things like how do I get high-speed, reliable internet connections to them. I spent a lot of time on, believe it or not, right? Uh, We did some great work with Starlink. uh, Very, very cool stuff. Don't know if it'll scale, but for certain stores, you know, that is a great solution. So I look at Edge as part of that computing toolkit, for want of a better term, that I've got. You know, if I can run it in the cloud, I run in the cloud. If If I have to run it in the store, I run it in the store. But as we start to look at more um, AI technologies, whether that's AI voice or AI vision coming into the store, I need more compute power. And the question is, where do you want to do that compute? I personally don't want to do it on the point, the point of sale system. The point of sale system in a restaurant is there to process, take and process orders, right? I think it's just better served. I think it's a, it's a, it's a more elegant architecture to now start to level layer in, excuse me, um, the edge into that. And again, you know, uh, some of our partnerships in this particular case, it's also a partnership with Google. Uh, they got an Anthos product uh, that plays in that space. We're doing some really interesting stuff there because again, some of my stores um, are going to be, you know, kind of standalone. Uh, some of my stores are going to be super, super high volume, uh, lots and lots of digital orders, internet uh, and connectivity is the most important thing. But in both of those cases, I need to put AI into the store. The the puzzle for me is how do I do that efficiently? How do I do that cost effectively? 
and and probably most important, how do I make that a good experience for the consumer and the in the employee also? You certainly don't want that concept of the spinning wheel of death happening at the point <laughs> of sales system while they try exactly. to figure out what they should do next. And the person's just there like, can I just get my burger and fries? Exactly. Like, I'll pay exactly. you cash. Let's go. Right. <laughs> you know? That's assuming anybody has cash anymore. Not That's true. That's true. Uh, there's certainly a lot of pay by phone and, and pay by credit card. Now, there are this next question, I think, is a difficult question. Okay. But one that I think would be very interesting to the audience. And this is with all, you've done many projects. So I think you'll have to pick one for this. But is there something that you wish you knew? when you started the journey? Because like all good tech projects, you start out at A and you're thinking it's going to be fairly linear to get to C and then something yeah. in the middle around B happened and just threw everything up in the air. Yeah, that is a, that is a tough question. Um, and I've had plenty of those experiences. I think, you know, on, on reflecting, on, maybe I'd answer the question slightly different. How I would answer your question is to say, I wish I would have remembered something rather than um, knew it. And, and I think the thing that I continue to learn, and hopefully I'll always continue to learn because uh, I think that's a great asset for a tech person. But the thing that um, I continue to learn is that innovation is a team sport. To, to do the type of innovation that's going to set us apart, that's going to set um, the mediocre companies apart from, from the great companies requires a team. And I think our restaurant design is, is an instantiation of that. You know, we didn't, we didn't, it didn't start as a tech project. It didn't start as an operations project. It started as a project and we brought this cross-functional team together. And I think that's the way breakthrough innovation happens. And sometimes as a technologist, I have to admit, uh, I forget that because I get so enamored in the technology, right? I get really wrapped up in the technology and it's a big part of the solution. Don't get me wrong. But I think the the beauty of of really driving innovation, really accelerating innovation, is bringing that cross functional team together um, and watching the outcome happen. And when when you get it right, it's magical, right? It's really cool. I think that was a great way to answer the question. Okay, good. I also think because we we do have that issue, and I think that there's always something that is forgotten because we don't have a cross-functional team. Some perspective that we wished yes. we had known existed that we could have done something about that you then have to go back and retrofit later. So if you can perhaps be more inclusive with the different people that have roles and responsibilities or interest in it, you can get there faster. So that makes a lot of sense to me. Now, on the flip side of that, is there some place you'd like to go next? There's so many different things going on in the tech space. You know, we've got people talking about uh, metaverse and robotics and augmented reality, and who knows what we're going to come up with next week, uh, wondering where you're thinking about going next in your journey? If I could, just two things. Uh, one of them is just a pet peeve of mine. Uh, passwordless, less security. I mean, I hate passwords. They're a pain. I spend a lot of time and money managing them. Uh, I think there's so much better opportunities for us to do secure authentication. It's a little little on the boring side, I admit. Um, but the, so- the one- Though in terms of like you want to make that frictionless easy button, it's password. That's the easy thing that we're missing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the one that I, I also have a, a ton of passion about is we we touched on it is 
I think voice AI um, has an opportunity to really revolutionize not only our businesses, but a lot of business. It, it amazes me today uh, with all the compute power we have, all the computer scientists we have, that we still use our thumbs to talk to computers, right? I mean, we're, we're constantly using our thumbs and some people are really amazingly fast at it. Our children and our grandchildren will look at that and go, what were they thinking? Computers are so intelligent today and, these, and AI is so well developed. Why don't we just talk to our computers? And I look at it from my consumer standpoint. I look at it from my team member standpoint, the people in the store. You know, if I could free up their hands so they could actually do their job and they could talk to a computer, I just think that's that kind of stuff is breakthrough. The uh, the extensions on it around language and interpretation. I mean, it's just, I just think it's so powerful. So we are doing a lot of work in that space. Um, it's been a passion of mine for several years. And uh, I think we'll start to see some of that in some Wendy's stores in the not too distant future. I love that because natural language is the next frontier. It is. And it actually breaks all kinds of barriers that organizations have uh, in terms of figuring out how to construct flows so that the customer can get to what they want faster in any manner, shape, or form, whether it's a contact center, you're standing in front of somebody trying to place an order, you're trying to figure out even where something is located. There's just many different ways of thinking about it. And I think that natural language, that's a great example of the intersection of AI and cloud once again, right? Helping to create that. And I really hope that we do get there sooner rather than later. So I'm glad to hear that you're working on the problem, Kevin. Okay, I am. Hard at it. Excellent. So with that, we've come to the close of the podcast. Thank you, Kevin. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you for listening. Show notes, subscription links, and additional content can be found at AIwithML.com slash podcast. Until next time, wishing you all the best. <laughs>